So today's episode is also a little different. What we have here is an hour presentation of a microbial KNF discussion that I led at the Hawaii Farmers Union United State Convention uh, 2019 held in Pu'unene, Maui. So uh, what you'll hear is myself as well as audience members kind of going over the facets of what natural farming is and some potential solutions that have worked for them in their situations. So I hope you enjoy today's episode as a mini lecture of uh, getting in into action of what happened at the Farmers Union Convention. So uh, thanks and uh, enjoy. Aloha. So I make a podcast, and it's called the Microbial Secret Society. Yeah. So, um, so I've been making this podcast for 18 weeks at least, and um, it's kind of to expose people the idea that you know let's let's bring the land to life, and green natural farming is a facet of that. So. Um, to facilitate a discussion today, um, I, I want to maybe at first start by like answering a question and then maybe passing the mic after I answer a question. Yeah, so. My question is about your solution or assistance for Ohia struggling with rapid Ohia death. Okay, so does anyone else know about the rapid Ohia death? Okay, uh, does anyone else know of like biological solutions to that? Okay, so maybe uh, you can explain rapid Ohia death just quick. So there's a disease that's on the Big Island and there's two bugs that uh, tend to transmit this little fungus, if I'm not mistaken, it's a fungus and there's, uh, that gets into the Ohia and uh, blocks the movement of um, its blood up and down the tree and the tree dies. And this frass, this poop from the beetle that's boring into the tree, it has these uh, spores on it and they get carried on the wind and they go all over the island. And so, of course, this is where the TGCM comes to me, right? This is where the TGCM, that's, this is the thermophilic uh, gelatinase chitinase uh, technology and with the coffee bearer borer, I think, as well. And you have to do the timing because you have to be able to spray it on the actual bug, not miss it when it's either gone or the bugs are in the ground or whatever. So I think it's exciting research. Um, I think that this uh, TGCM that Drake mentioned is freaking on another level. So. So Bobby went when he came here to Hawaii. Uh, Logan went as well. Um, and um, what I've seen in terms of the rapid Ohia death is that as we can increase the indigenous microbes that are in the ground, they're able to boost the immune system of the tree. And this fungus that's overwhelming it, which is restricting the water flow, is then unable to live because there's so many good beneficial microbes in the soil around and strengthening those with uh, biostimulants and these things. And we tried to do a study with the state, but they wanted to prove that the microbes we were gonna use weren't harmful, which was like a very tedious study. It's just taking what's indigenously here, feeding it 
growing it to more larger proportions and then putting it back and feeding it really good food. Very analogous to what we're doing here as a gathering. We're bringing good people here. We're feeding us really well. We're going to go spread. This place is going to grow. Uh, same idea with what we're doing with the microbes. So has anyone else here seen uh, natural farming be a really good solution for them? Um, so I, I have a starting a small hemp farm up in Kula. Um, and during transplants or after transplants, often the plants get really stressed out and will wilt and just uh, some small, like some OHN and some of the other um, nutrients just given as a foliar spray, like they perk right up and look nice and green and rich right in a day. Um, but I have one question. Um, we're struggling with some calcium deficiencies in our soil. It's been fallow for probably 30, 40 years. Um, it's very compacted. Um, and I'm trying to figure out a solution that I can maybe make a ferment and pre-treat the fields to try to fix some of that calcium before planting. Um, uh, the man over in the, the tent earlier was mentioning kala has a very high calcium content. Is it possible we could use like a kala ferment and maybe pre-treat with that? With that, what are your thoughts? I mean, I don't know. Uh, okay. Good answer, that one. So uh, right off the bat, he mentioned compactness and being very old soil, so it's probably acidic. And the compactness both would tend towards seawater. So uh, a seawater treatment probably heavily many times. And um, I would also go towards a cover crop that's gonna help with your compactness. Add green matter, add organic matter, and also could bring in some calcium as well. And then your third choice within doing all of those things is gonna be, I mean, this stuff is good too, but um, uh, WCA, water-soluble calcium, is gonna correct your calcium problems pretty much instantly. So with the combination, I would say of those three things, plus intention and paying attention, you're, you'll, you'll be right on the right track and Drake could have some more to add to that. Besides that, just watering deep, super deep ahead of time, like going with some of the Jadam stuff, watering super deep and maybe even making a JMS because that's that's the uh, jawdam microbe solution because then you got the seawater and the microbe combination so if you if you just get that way down way way down into your soil before you start to plant then go with your cover crop you'll be in heaven because you'll get the indigenous microbes plus the seawater Yep, you could fertigate that solution directly into your four acres if it's already set up in fertigators. You could fertigate that JMS or just the seawater or fermented seawater, one of those three, all would be beneficial right into your fertigation system. That's how I apply my KNF in some of my greenhouses are straight through a fertigation system, well strained through a 220 micron bag, and then right into the fertigator. It works really well. And um, I think with that combination, the cover crop, 
one of those uh, seawater implementations, microbe implementations, and then uh, some WCA to then finish the, you know, put the icing on the cake. Uh, so, so just to give a little uh, con context on like this scenario here, if like I, I'm a KNF farmer, say maybe I get a two two acre little plot in here, what do, what do I do? So in my what I've been doing in my areas is I've been kind of trying to create these like fungal strongholds, where they're like these zones where the beneficial fungus, these granddaddies, think that they're in a, a forest. They think they're in like 20 feet of trees here, but really they're in this field. And so what I do is I go up to these mountains over here, gather a little starch, that's maybe ulu, it's maybe kalo trimmings, it's maybe uh, potato, it's maybe rice. And I'll gather those microbes from up there and then I'll mix them with sugar to preserve them. It's like a carbon bath, they just sit there. And then I'll dilute that later, that those microbes from up there into water and then start to water these fungal strongholds that I'm creating. Which in my case, what I'm doing is I'm dumping loads like this mulch under here, but instead of trying to spread it out, I'm concentrating it in these piles. And then what I'm doing is I'm planting radially around those piles. And what's happening is I put piles frequently enough and in the right places that then I have these you know, fungal networks reaching from pile to pile versus if I spread this whole thing here, I'm getting this very thin fungal network that's trying to do a bunch, but it's decomposing so fast that it can't communicate. But instead this like Hugel culture, you know, some people do it underground. I just happen to drop piles up top because I don't want to dig pits. But these fungal strongholds and then taking the indigenous microbes from up there, from right here, once my farm is awesome, taking them again from my land, concentrating the indigenous microbes, then feeding them my plant waste, either by rotting it in water and just crudely putting that out there as a cheap solution to take care of this many acres. Anything that pops up, cut it, rot it in water, a couple of days, dump it over, all that's nutrients, liquid, penetrates. More microbes go deep. They think they're in a deep forest, especially the more you make the fungal strongholds. So that's what I've been doing. That's my solution with a lot of the indigenous things, how to restore farmland is in a, a technique that way of concentrating our biomass. And so um, that's, yeah, and I, what I see is like a battleground, really, of I have a fungal stronghold and then my edge is like this bacterial plane and so out on the bacterial edge where I'm moving out, that's where I'm dumping cheap microbes, these things that I'm just making. But in here in my fungal stronghold where I'm near my house, I got everything really nice. Here I'm using edible ferments, using high-grade sugar to make everything, and I'm enjoying biostimulants that are creating this generation of fertility in this, this wheel that starts to uh, cycle or spiral. I guess. So that's that's largely the solution. Um, you, you know, I mean, there's I'm sure there's tons of questions on this. What I, I teach classes, uh, I provide online resources. KNFvideo.com gets you to the YouTube. 
Natural farming is a huge subject, but there's nine solutions. Like Logan was talking about with WCA, is like how do you get calcium, water soluble calcium, which may take years to go from the soil up to the top of a tree to fix a deficiency. What if I can spray it right into the canopy and it goes right through the leaves and that's what the water soluble calcium in there. It's called KNF reproduction, but it helps to put the calcium in there so your plant can reproduce. So you can get sweet fruits. And there's a myriad of tools and techniques all fit into natural farming and everyone's has like a hybrid way of doing this, you know? And I, tol I totally think that's cool. So um, for the discussion, yeah. Oh, the, the podcast name is the Microbial Secret Society. So what's, what's a question? How, how many eggshells are you going to need to extract a usable amount of soluble calcium for someone like him doing a row crop on four acres? So what, how many eggshells for four actual acres, 40, whatever, 40,000 square feet of soil? I know it's a home, easy for kind of a home garden setup, but, you know. Just pretend. This is yours. So one of the cool things is KNF is like biodynamic farming. They're homeopic in terms of their dilution. The calcium's one to one thousand. You're spraying uh, twenty-five gallons per acre. And so 1,000 of that is the amount of calcium they'll need each time you spray. And I've noticed in my system, if I spray weekly, like it, you could, it's a movie set. You walk in there and it's like the bananas are sprouting, everything's coming out, it's like it, everything's thriving, it's, it's paradise. If I don't spray weekly and bad weather hits and all this other stuff, then disease, pests, all kinds of things, you know, that naturally are balanced out by healthy plants because the conditions were unfavorable. I wouldn't want to be out there in the rain like that without being fed. But if I spray weekly, it's like they can handle. So has, has any, yeah. Oh, has anyone had success spraying natural farming things? I use EM, so that's, um, I'm not sure exactly if, I know it's a type of microbe um, mixture from Japan, but I don't know if that's, it's not local from Hawaii, the mixture of um, the different bacteria, but I've always used that in my yard and it helps a lot. As far as EM, you mean? Is anyone more knowledgeable at EM? Or is anyone, is, is EM foreign? Raise your hand if you don't know what it is. 
Yeah, so EM, it's um, effective microorganisms, so it's a mix of um, lactic acid bacteria, phototropic bacteria, and yeast, um, and they it's a mixture of anaerobic and aerobic bacteria, and they work really well together to break down food, so I actually use it in composting, um, and it helps our food waste break down in about six weeks versus like six to eight months, um, so that's what we use it for. When I when I teach about EM1, and then I talk about KNF comparatively, it's EM1 versus EM1 million, if that makes sense. So so you can create EM1 million through KNF methods, effective microorganisms, one billion trillion, you know. Is that what Bokashi would be? So Bokashi is, is EM1 on a substrate, as in wheat bran. So our equivalent of that would be IMO3. So instead of spending a bunch of money on Bokashi, you just make your own IMO3 at home, and it's now you're not just propagating EM1, but you're propagating EM1 billion on the same the same technique the same ideology behind it but you're not using those targeted microbes that come in that EM1 bottle you're using your indigenous microorganisms from your nearest climactic forest to your farm and that's the big difference there <coughs> The lactic acid is the EM1, the real value. That's the big one. Yeah. 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 Different tools, and and um, to to add to what he, like the IMO is like the the you know the EM one million, and, and then the the EM is also similar to the LAB. It's like its own tool. So, so you know, um, like it's a probiotic for, for gut health. Um, it's, it's found in yogurt. It's found naturally in curds and whey. You, you know, and if you've ever made yogurt, um, the whey, what, what we do in natural farming is we try to make it as diverse as possible in the whey. So, so it can be different than sometimes other, you know, if you make cheese and you have whey left over, uh, that's a that's a more narrow family that made that specific cheese. What we do in natural farming is we try to get as many different types of lacto in there in our EM. So it's a it's a wild EM. It's like an indigenous EM, and then that that is used as its own th own thing to like I call I call the EM the the can of police. Whoop whoop! It's the sound of the can of police. Because if there's if stuff's getting out of hand, they show up and they're just they start cracking skulls and they re restore order. So imagine powdery mildew is on the loose. <laughs> yeah, you just load your sprayer with that and try to get life, the good police, in there before the you know before the thugs come out. And try to keep a balanced level of them. Don't put too much police, otherwise they're going to rob you blind. They'll steal all the nutrients if you just keep putting the police out there. They'll be like, oh, yeah, thanks for that. Boom, boom. Just like, see. Uh, 
so so it's a balance, but that's why I call it the police. We all identify with that, and they're the they're the EM emergency workers, you know. Um, and then yeah, IMOs are like the citizens, the chill people that work at um, kind of a, a leisurely pace. But we build really rich systems that get easier and easier the more we're like harmonious and nutrients and fed well. Like for when we're all really well fed, we behave really well. When we're hungry, the nicest of us. Yeah, you want to provide for your family, right? We forget that that's also your family. You're like, oh, no, but you look different, so. I just have a question. You know, when you make some of those inputs, right, how long are they good for if you've got them in an airtight jar? Do they stay alive? The EMs need to be extended time to time. You test them with a pH meter. As soon as the pH goes above four, you gotta you've gotta take your liquid stock and extend it through anaerobic uh, procedure. I, I used to do these workshops all over the mm -hmm. and out of thousands of students, five of them still call me. Mm -hmm. that, that's how out of this entire workshop, I'd get one or two maybe interested and call back. People just don't have time to do it. But it's, it's 4,000 years old. It's not new tech. This, this is the problem. People, well, my dad didn't know about this. My grandpa didn't know about this. That's because he was in Kansas, and this was going on in Asia. Uh, and only the farmers knew about it, because in the caste system in Asia, farmers are not to be... They're, they're, they're low caste, so the, the people that yes. see didn't even care how they grew it. So, uh, this Professor Higa, I'm a student of his, he invented this EM1. Uh, they thought he was a charlatan until uh, he, he made the formula work, and now he's a national hero. It, it, that's how the Asians operate. They, they, until you can prove yourself, you're, you're just a charlatan. But <clears throat> it's not new tech. It's just new to the West. And so EM1, I'm going to start the workshops again. I'm going to join the Farmers Union here and start teaching again. And it's simple science. You can make it one gallon or a thousand gallons. Same formula. Depends on how much space, time, uh, uh, application you need. You can make EMX for your own human consumption. You can use it on your animals. You can use it on chickens. We feed the Bokashi to the chickens. Guess what? No no ammonia. No no uh, toxic uh, acids. And so, okay, I could go on and on, but. Uh, you want to spread around some questions? question, like a jar of lab, how long is that? How long will that live sitting on a shelf? So as soon as the pH rises, it's starting to oxidize. Oh. <laughs> so it all depends on your storage techniques. So, so I store, the way I do it is I store lactic acid bacteria through this technique and I add equal volume of brown sugar. What that does is it kind of super saturates the solution so that every water molecule is attracted to a sugar molecule. And so there's not very much available water for microbes to continue living or digesting things. Then what happens if I put that in the refrigerator, that stores really well. 
But if anytime I have temperature fluctuation up and down, that sugar comes off the water and then fermentation happens and then other contaminants happen and it, and it breaks down and it's like, then, then I got to start over and refeed it, recreate conditions that come back to, to that selecting that. And, and that's, that's so, it, but it all depends on your situation. You know, do you have a refrigerator? Are you just throwing it in your barn? What are you trying to, how much volume are you trying to make? Are you trying to breed it up to like take care of this whole land? And so under, understanding all those factors are important. So I just know a little bit enough to be kind of wild and uh, I didn't know if you guys could start us from like the nursery setting to like create a really high vitality seed. So like the seed soak. So what you guys do, just start in at the seed. Yeah. Oh, it, anyone know? I mean, or it does natural farming that way. It, it's it's not super dogmatic in natural farming. Ba basically, a lot of this revolves around what I call the maintenance solution, which is something like, what does my plant need? Well, it needs just general maintenance. So I use this solution. It consists of food, cleanser, medicine, and structure. So those things, and almost every living system needs those things, food, medicine, cleanser, structure, like we need to build things, we need to shit, you know, clean, eat, stay healthy. That's the basis of it all. Then I can add in microbes and enzymes that help things sprout for seeds. So if I make a fermented plant juice from sprouts, and then I, play, I add that as my food to this system, now I'm gonna encourage those enzymes, those microbes, everything to select for like sprouting, making that easier. Um, and you can modify all those recipes to add in, you know, if you need more uh, nitrogen, you need more calcium, but that's the basis is this general maintenance solution of food, medicine, cleanser, and structure. And, um, so if I spray that weekly, it, it, it everything goes, and then what do I, I, I switch it up. I, I put in different um, ferments, like sometimes I'll put in uh, f things from bananas as my food. I have a lot of bananas. Other times I'll use things like comfrey. And, and one of the cool things, like since Bobby's here talking about biodynamics, you can get into the whole thing of where, you know, they're, they're getting into silica, and these other elements, and also harvesting at different moon cycles and bringing in this whole energy flow into these preparations that you're, you're making. Uh, and, and all that, you know, to, to varying degrees has effect, you know. But the coolest thing about KNF is I can customize that in that batch for what exactly I, I want. You know, if you get fertilizer from the store, compost tea from the store, it's their microbes, it's someone else's thing. These hold my vibration, they're from my area here, and I can customize exactly the blend I want. Like look at my plant, I'm like, oh, more, more silica, because I wanna bring in light and warmth. <laughs> and you said silica. It's <laughs> true. Polarity, right? It's <laughs> true. Polarity is the whole idea of lime sucking and going down and light and silica and warmth going up, right? why the mangoes don't go off in Namaku in the winter, right? And, and... The polarity of the light and the warmth, right? So it's like, oh, the rain got my blossoms. Because the blossoms live in light and warmth, you know? 
and I go that deep sometimes too. <laughs> Um, that's that's why we do the microbial secret society. Uh, love to have guests on um, talking about the microbial unseen world. Um, yeah, I just did one in the driveway over there earlier with Joe. Talked about the GCM. I've done with one with Logan uh, out at his place. Um, so to let's hear some KNF success. You, you, I know I know you got something to say. Put you on the spot. Um. I made a Jadam mixture, microbial solution, um, one time three years ago. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and I had a water backpack, and I was on 2,500-year-old lava flow in my boots, and I was romping around, and I was pretty exhausted running up and down the <laughs> But, um, yeah, we harvested, like, I think, over 200 pounds of olena that year. There was a lot of mycelium. Um, you know, was it from the Jadam? I'm not sure. Um, was it from nature? Yes. Could have done it on his own? Maybe. Olena is really awesome in that way anyway. Um, but uh, I'm really curious about natural Korean farming um, for breadfruit agroforestry systems or breadfruit orchards. Um, right now, you know, we're facing a problem where um, our trees need to be fertilized. Um, there, There's some, like, deficiencies that are kind of coming up in the fruit. And, you know, just like any other crop, you know, it needs nutrients. Um, so we have this like regenerative ag committee and we're looking into like fertilization, um, which right now it seems like our only option, um, for low cost is conventional. And I, I mean, not the only option, but there's a mix of options, but, um, I would love to see how like you know, ulu farmers can be intuitive and do implement natural Korean farming in a way that's, you know, makes sense for them. Yeah. So, so I, I, th I think the answer to that is the having the right equipment. Uh, if you're trying to do a huge area and it's on a backpack square, it's, it's hard to be out there weekly and lift all that put it on your back no matter you know if you just have a garden that's this size you know my my mom has like a tiny little sprayer my my auntie has a you know a sizable yard she has a little three gallon like toe behind little sprayer i was doing a big papaya field and i almost killed myself without the with the wrong equipment i mean literally like spinning blades and all kinds of it was unsafe because I've, i was like in no man's land of like not the right equipment and so I couldn't get to this next level of deploying the microbes in the way of making it easy. And so, you know, an area like this in Korea, what they have are these truck mounted things that create these like vortex spirals where literally I can shoot the thing, you know, 100 feet out there, 100 meters, even 300 feet out there, you know, uh, quite a ways. And that, that type of tech is, is totally what a, a, a Ulu cooperative can afford. And, and something that, that HFU could also help in is that if I buy that for my own self, man, that's overkill. Like, I'm done with my yard in two minutes. Like, yeah. Mm. But then it's sitting there, right? Yeah, and fire trucks and all this equipment we already have, but repurposing it for putting these microbes out there. And as a cooperative, it's like, 
okay, we need this, you know, machine. Let's let's purchase it and then let's schedule it to come through. Maybe it can run a trailer to bring pickups when it's coming home, and you know, source these things out. But that's that's what I saw in Korea was, you know, cooperatives, government subsidization to help get the tech in the hands to make it so it's easy. And the GCM we went and saw, you know, a forty thousand gallon tank operation where they're giving this out to 1,500 farmers. Every week they come by and they get 25 gallons each of this stuff to spray, which you know is an acre plus of treatment. And that's what a cooperative can do. And that's how I believe that it's truly in, right? Because you're Ulu Cooperative. Yeah, that, well, you already got the infrastructure, so. No, no, but what I'm saying is like a sprayer. Anyone can buy a sprayer. It's like it's exclusive to the Canaan Cooperative. You've been waiting for a while. <laughs> so to address the situation, basically, if you can implement chemicals, you can implement KNF with the same equipment. If you're going to spray chemicals, you can spray KNF with the same equipment. If you're going to fertigate chemicals, you can fertigate KNF with the same equipment. So there's no excuse not to use KNF, and it's low to zero cost. So you're looking at zero cost. There's there's no over overhead, you know. It's all coming from the Ina. You brew it on your farm. All all the labor is it would be to the people to make the initial inputs. You could have that done in ten days. Very low labor. So that whole yeah, no, that, I do that. This is what I do for a living. Hit me up anytime. Fifty bucks an hour. No, true. That that's the cost. But anyway. Um, <laughs> no, anyway, that, that, the Ulu orchard could be taken care of easily. Within 10 days, you could have all your inputs for a year finished. You're done doing, making inputs. Now you're just brewing tea on a weekly or, or bi-monthly, however much labor time you have. And that's the only labor, you're spraying tea. So you're looking at zero cost, except for maybe some sugar and a few other minimal grocery store ingredients. It's just your labor. So what's your labor cost? I'm not sure what your, yeah, exactly. My labor costs 50 bucks an hour. I'm not sure what your labor costs. I would think so, but if you want to hire me to do it, I can do it too. You know what I mean? It's, it's pretty basic and easy. What habits have you guys formed um, in your life in order to do general maintenance, to be a practitioner of natural Korean farming, and what advice can you give? Me, me. Oh. Uh, well, yeah, actually, it is kind of a way of life. Once I, once I kind of was exposed to this um, idea the microbes, um, the everything. It, it permeated my whole life in terms of these, like the plant juice that's in there, the can of food. The same maintenance solution I'm giving to the plants is the same, like kind of vital solution you can ingest. Um, do be careful on ingesting too many microbes and foreign microbes and soil microbes and fecal microbes and whatever kind of things, um, you know. But now I've been getting into like water machines, structuring water, getting into like how can I bring living teas together because 
really what this is about is about the enzymes that are being produced as well as the microbiology. But in my brewing scenario now, I'm, I'm swirling the water in a tornado at the bottom and using an airlift to then drop it over some stones at the top that have various mineral properties. And this system is kind of like, you know, take the water, break it apart, and then structure it on the bottom. And into this, all my solutions are added. Um, and then that's just like a seed to a larger tank that I'm not gonna inoculate, but I just have a bunch of other water that I can stir that into. And if I, you know, if I was really into it, that would all be living water, but at this point that's impractical for my s setup. So I'll take that five gallons of really pristine water that I'll drink and it tastes like coconut water. It's just like living water from this system of, you know, brewing what's around and, um, and then dilute that further to, to use it on my land. Um, and also, I, I don't put it in my animals' water because yeah, they don't drink it all. And then it, it'll rot and then it's not the best idea. Um, but, but giving them a little bowl to slurp out of is a good, but don't run it in like a stagnant system. I don't run it through water lines after it's been like brewed. You know, I just drink it straight from the water. But I, I see, you know, it's fully integral of, I was just talking to Steve, the Puna president. He was talking about running retreats where you're also farming your inner garden, your inner guts. So like colon cleansing, uh, then putting probiotics in our, in our mouths and just like treating our inner self as like this whole farm, this whole ecosystem that also needs it as much as this outer ecosystem does. And I was like, wow, that, that's a great idea. And these solutions, these specific KNF ones are all edible and there's thousands of ways of brewing other, you know, like to approach it. Um, and find really what, what works for you. I, I like tuning these things, making different flavored drinks, strengthening the vinegar sometimes if I'm not feeling so well, strengthening up the medicinal herbs, including different tinctures and ferments. And the it teaches you how to take like this field and look at it as like gold like I don't need anything else I mean I'd love loads of mulch and I'd love an irrigation system and I'd love the ability to get the microbes and bring them down but the grass is going to grow and I'm going to cut it ferment it and if I can't afford sugar I'm just going to use a bucket of water grass is going to cut it ferment it cut it ferment it cut it ferment it cut it ferment it and after like six weeks of just filling trash cans strategically around and cutting the grass fermenting and dropping it over all those nutrients are now in the ground the microbes are starting to take over and that cost me what waiting for the grass to grow you know the, the trash barrels that my friend can use after i'm done and that's instant fertility that grew here of just bringing you know and it helps bring those microbes down make them happy brew them through the whole IMO one through four of getting the seed propagating and then activating them because then they're going to be even more effective for you. Bring in the EM, bring in the lactobacillus. Get th those guys love the soil. And it's these tools, this living water, these techniques that right here, this is, this is gold. You know, if the grid goes down, I was talking another like power down situation, what are you going to do? Well, get a machete and a bucket and maybe over here something to catch rain with, but where I'm at, it rains so much, I just put the bucket out. Every time it rains, cut it, dump it in my garden, and continue to build and grow my diversity that I keep, my seed garden at home. Oh, 
Uncle Sam was talking. How's that Kuliana today? You're the seed bank. It's like, oh, bro, and I've killed plants. Fuck, who killed it? Oh, that guy. But everyone else was complicit too, right? I was just the last guy to kill it. Now, tarot varieties have been given to me and I've lost them, right? That's 6,000 years of food that I lost because I couldn't handle the kuleana of like, I'm in the seed bank, it's just me. Okay, okay, I got this. Nah, I just got the varieties I like, right? Sorry, Kapuna, oops, extinct, their line, dang. My fault, right? But collectively, all of our faults. And what we can do is build, build Ulu cooperatives, ways to share, you know, the varietals. Take this kuleana and spread it out because if it falls on one person, one farmer, or, you know, we are those people. I'm going to go behind you and go around one time. I wanted to kind of honor your question more. I wanted to kind of honor your question more because I thought it was really good. I think you were getting at a crucial thing, which is self-care and how do you know when. I think that's kind of, it sounded like that was where you're going. Like, how do you do all this stuff and stay who you are and not get out of, it's a nonstop, it's a campaign. You know, one of my teachers told me years ago, I said, how do you do it? He said, it's a campaign. How do I have time for my woman? How do I have time for my grandchildren? How do I do jobs? How do I have time for you? Right? He was this Tai Chi master, super amazing biodynamic guy, made airplanes and everything back in Michigan. And he just did everything. He worked seven days a week, but he only worked three hours on Sunday, four hours on Saturday. He had time for his wife, had time for me, had time for everyone. He taught all these old ladies at this old folks home how to go macrobiotic. He spent an hour and a half there. And I'm like, how do you do it? He's like, it's a campaign. And now I find in my reflection of my own life, why, well, you know, I'm out in the barn late at night, I got the generator running or something, and I'm like, oh man, I said I would call this person, or you know, it's like running, it's a nonstop game, and the, the game for me, the way I can kind of somewhat control it is by using this system I learned from this guy last year in Australia. It's so simple, it's so stupid. And uh, I call it the 3CG, three it's three-column three gold. And it's just a legal pad with three, two lines, three columns, and a little line across the top. Today, this week, this month, write it down. The things you don't get done today, go to today, the next day, and some things from this week go to today, and some things from this month can go to that week. And even if I don't do it every day, but I do it five days a week, the difference has been insane. And he runs about a $10 billion group of companies. And he used to have all these custom apps made, you know, and handlers and people reminding him of everything. He uses the three-column gold. And I do. I could say that it's a really simple system to grasp it. And I put in there today, massage, yoga, nothing. Two hours of freaking nothing, right? Nothing. Phones off. No Facebook. No Instagram. No nobody. Not even a book. No Nothing. You know, water. Get some structured water. If I have to remind myself, so I put it in there because it just gets to be nonstop, right? So it's a great question, and that's one of my tools is the uh, three-column gold. Today, this week, this month. Right, so we got some some more more experts, and yeah. North Korea embracing the genome system. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
Yeah. They were in the past. Yeah, the late relations are a lot better. Yeah, you uh, natural farming. Uh, my question is sort of antithetical to the whole uh, I'll explain myself a little bit better. I'm on the east side where it rains a lot and we have we're just swamped by Ardizias, African tulips, myconias. Uh, there is just about a dozen uh, highly invasive plants. I go around, we do a lot of cutting at the base, chipping, uh, using chips for you know, composting, mulching, everything. Uh, would there be a way to make a solution to spray a freshly cut stump around the cambium layer that would be detrimental to that specific uh, species? that necessarily wouldn't harm anything around it. It would just make, inhibit any new growth uh, of say an African tulip or, um, you know, a Java plum, something like that. That, that totally makes sense. You know, last night we were at the, uh, the plantation and we were walking around and it's like, oh, this is beautiful. And then Scott, Scott Layback was like, oh, that's the power of Roundup. Like it looks like it's just like manicured lawns, you know, like the nice borders, edges and everything. And it's like super, super awesome. And our paradigm is that way because that's like one of the, you know, ritzy places here. That's what we're idolizing. That's what we're aiming for. Um, and how do we replicate that without like, you know, using those products that are damaging to the earth and things we want to avoid. Um, and one of the things I do is I look at a tree like a myconia where it's real wet and I got African tulip. Although African tulip's hard because it keeps growing, but I look at it as like great chop and drop. Boom. Can I keep it um, machete size? Better. Chainsaw size? Okay. Do I need a chipper? Probably not. I try, I do a lot of branch tech, just piles of branches around fruit trees make, you know, it's hard to mow, but then it's like my, you can't argue with the production. Um, and then the weeds that grow on that because I'm spraying microbes and stuff aren't so bad. And then I'll get on top and weed whack it down because I'm able to do that on my farm, you know, as, as, a, as what I am today with that tech. Um, and I look at an invasive as like, great, my myconia is now going to be my chop and drop for this garden. It's the hard part is when it's like, okay, now we're trying to get to an inaccessible spot and it's taking over up there. So what do we do? We want to chop it down. Well, another way of thinking of it is let's change the biology underneath so that what wants to sprout there are natural natives. Let's put the ohia microbes up there. Is the myconia going to be happy in the ohia microbes? And but right now the myconia microbes are up there just because that's, you know, what we, you know, we've created by just our activity has been like we've selected the, the microbiome to be invasive. But as we bring back indigenous and we we keep that, then it's like I don't have, I don't gotta climb up there. What I can do is get a drone. Maybe I can get a, a, a you know, you seen how they drop the stuff on fires, you know, all that of microbes inoculum up there, biostimulants, and now the myconia is like not even competing with the ohia, you know, ohia seeds and everything I can drop out there. Um, so I, I look at it that way. Those invasives are there as scabs to heal, utilize them, and then really fix the root of the problem, which is the soil underneath that it's trying to regenerate. 
it's trying to go back to health. It's trying to go back to a nice forest, but they're invasive because, you know, the biology isn't there. So put the biology first and put the biostimulants as if it was in a forest with leaves falling. That's what my plant juice is. That's what my vinegar is, right? When fruit falls, it turns to vinegar. Well, I'll just go spray some vinegar. And it thought a bunch of fruit fell. Dang. Tree was like, what? There's no fruit up there? The soil is just banging. And they're like, bro, we're in the fattest fruit forest. And it's like, no, you're in Maui in a sugar field. He's like, oh, but the guavas is off the hook. Right, have you tasted that Ulu Rhine's FPJ? This, like, the tastiest thing. And the trees are just banging. And they're like, they think they're in a Ulu paradise with all this Ulu fruit falling around, rich around them. Vinegar, cleanser, medicine. They're like, bro, there's Olena growing nearby. Ginger, cinnamon. I can pull in all these herbs whenever I need. Look at me, how robust my system. And you hack the bio system to think it's rich. It thinks, it doesn't know. The biostimulants are there, the exact way they would come out, vinegar, right? Fruit falls, what happens? Ferments, some of it's nice. Oh, most of it turns vinegar because it's already, some of it turns to alcohol, which then makes a small tincture of medicine from the leaves. Boom, that's the same thing we're doing in natural farming. Same ingredients, same things, put it out there. Your system's like, oh, this is awesome. Absolutely awesome everything I need and it gets sprayed once a week so it's like oh and what happens in once a week is about equivalent of 10,000 years for the microbes imagine once every 10,000 years you get this replenishment of good food that just comes the mana from heaven descends you just get to eat it and grind and not even worry so it happens out there and then that first generation builds things and enzymes and this whole bio process for the next until you spray again and then alter it or a deer poops or whatever shit happens but it's pooping in the right place that's important for us too let's not forget about that so also natural farming i do no smell pigs right and chickens and even if i'm not gonna consume them for their animal products running my compost through them as pets and as some of my most loved and treasured animals these pigs are so happy and i i, I love baby bacon And Papa Lao Lao. But they're truly great, and they're some of my hardest workers on my farm because every day I, I feed them all kinds of food, and they make the tankest soil. It's so unreal. You put this stuff wherever. And brought a Logan over here, figured out the same tech with worms. The Earth's alternative of pigs. I, I, <laughs> So all, all these systems, getting animals together, um, the, the no-smell thing, someone was asking about what do they do, um, Lahaina, I think there's a sewage problem. It would be interesting to see if we could take the deep litter system and expose microbes, use EM, use LABs, use the uh, IMOs from the region, and see if that could be a, a regenerative system there, where instead of now a hazard where it's killing the reef, now it's growing better compost to then do the reforestation project that's going to make the watershed more robust so that the water going into the reef now is filled with all these microbes and more calcium, which then builds more coral. Because right now our land is calcium deficient, all these things. But if our plants are having it, the microbes have it, they think they're in the fruit forest, but they're really on the slopes of Lahaina. They're going to grow as if they were in a fruit forest. 
And this is the kind of biotechnology type stuff that I like to dream about when I get to travel and see the landscapes in front of me and tell you about all this, but it's a lot of work to get there. The key is the right equipment. And the key is also to always, anytime you think, oh, I gotta wait for this type of funding, think, no, okay, no, the resources are right here. Okay, what am I gonna do today? Well, there's a few buckets around. I could refashion that, make a water cleanser. I could take all this crop waste here, make a ferment, make a fertilizer, the sugar cane, all the clippings, you know. I could instantly remediate things. I don't need a billion dollars to go heal Mauna Kea. What I need is a committed force of people to recognize Aloha Aina, recognize the Akua of the microorganisms within our realm. And to understand that as we spread that, our watersheds become clean. Everything we do downstream from there becomes a little bit easier. So, okay, a question I've had in my thoughts about the microbiome in your gut and the parallel to the soil microbiome. And Jen Kusura at the convention in Oahu was saying that the top five microbes in the soil are the same as in your gut, right? So there's that parallel we're all becoming more aware of. So what's up with having to regenerate that like you're saying weekly sprays right and I'm taking probiotics I'm and I know that if I get my neighbor's sauerkraut that he raised the cabbage on his organic farm right next door to mine and he's the bomb at making sauerkraut so if I eat his cabbage fermented into sauerkraut that's the local microbiome right that's the best thing I can eat I get that but what I don't understand is why it's not like self-perpetuating like why do you have to keep feeding it have you guys seen when we collect I, what IMO1, like a seed IMO, a box? Like we set out the Lauhala box with a starch. So does anyone have a picture they could pull up on their phone, like of a successful collection? Looks like cotton candy growing on top of a plate lunch that you put in the bushes. Yeah, yeah. Do you, yeah, you want to open to that? So what, what you find on these collections of IMO is these five microbes, these five common ones. But what those five common ones, yeah, right, right here, you see that? You see the white fuzzy mold on there? Those guys are what we call neutral microbes. They're the 80% of microbes that can go good or, or bad. And when we find them, they're, they're, they're good here, in that case where they're white. Um, and, it, and good and bad is all depending on conditions. But what, what we're really after is the smaller percentage of that of that remaining 20%, whether that's good or bad. And so the 80% that we see that are these five are just kind of indicators of what's happening in the smaller percentage. And this smaller percentage is very precise and it's very hard to study in the soil. Like 99% of soil biology we know nothing about. And it's not like in 80% of it we know, right? 80-20 real classic thing. 80% we know plenty about. And it's this other percentage that it's so complex that we don't know. And it's these ones that are indicators that you'll see, like those five in your gut. Well, those are the indicators of what, how that small thing's happening. 
but that small thing is very precise and is very um, fragile. And it, that's when, you know, you get antibiotics and it wipes out, like, that was thousands of years of tradition given to you. And sure, you didn't die, so you didn't lose, you know, but you kind of wipe that out with antibiotics. And now your genome is altered from your microbiome of what you had. And, that, and it's that small percentage that's really where we got to focus on regenerating, replenishing, rebuilding. And it's those subtle ones. It's like, you, you know, I mean, a, a great way to think of it is, like, leadership. There's like, you know, you need strong, good leadership, but not everyone to be a total leader. And it's that small leadership that's, they teach the whole 80%, the whole area to, to um, work, work together. And, and it's, it's that part that's the, the essence of natural farming. Like the big 80%, that's the EM tech. I can replace that. That's the, the EM is that 80%. If that's missing, you're hurting. But that's the EM. It's the indigenous that's this small 20% that's subtle, that's represented by these bigger groups of EM tech. And, and if that's a deeper way of understanding uh, of, of why, why, why does my gut microbiome so hard to replenish? And it's like, well, look at the things you're taking. They're lactobacillus, they're probiotics, they're aspergillus, different, I, I don't know what they are. <laughs> my friends. But they're these families that are probiotics. They're not... They're not your biotics. So how are you going to, you know, you, that, that means those guys can ease it up. They can make it better, but it's your biotics that got to grow. You got to reestablish that lineal thing that, yeah, that, that, that's passed down. Like, you know, for, you know, as you come out of your mother, you inher inherit her whole biome, you know, you're living in her um, amniotic fluid, you know, it's your, your creation of not only your human genetics, but also your microbiome genetics. My human is just like the big hardware you can see. My inner like software quick changing things is my microbiome. And if I lose my microbiome by antibiotics, now my human hardware can't write a new program to respond. So it's another way of thinking. Osama bin microbin, two minutes. Two, so who, yeah. Just a quick one uh, to address your question. So if you study KNF and if you read the book in totality, you'll come upon a part, and it's in Drake's book too, and it talks about how many years and how long you have to treat the soil or the plant to establish a microbial population that is then favorable to continue itself. So it is about establishing, establishing an environment for self-perpetuation. That's the whole goal of it. That's the pinnacle of KNF. And then you're done making inputs for a long time until you might see something that needs to be touched up. And then you can draw for your calcium, your nitrogen, or so forth. But the pinnacle of KNF, and if you look at the chart in that book, it talks about for the fertility coming to a maximum pinnacle and then maintaining that. And, um, and you could imagine like an apex forest maintains itself. It maintains its probiotics. There's nothing added to an apex forest. It's maintained. So you need to make your gut biome an apex forest. Once your gut biome's an apex forest, then you just eat fruits and vegetables and you're good. As soon as you put acid in your body, you're destroying all your gut biome. And there goes, now you have to reestablish it because you killed it by the food that you decided to eat. So it's pr pretty simple. And if we'd really follow KNF and we read the actual whole book, all of it's covered. It's a complete system, you know. So just wanted to add that. Anyone else got any closing? Uh, eat so some dirt. We didn't hear from over that side. Can you, so
someone over there want to weigh in just a little bit? I feel like we got to include you guys. Well, I was interested. I was interested the uh, what you were saying about the fermentation of the grass. Is that different than just um, you know, uh, putting your tilling your cover cover crops directly into the soil? Uh, you're actually collecting the grass and fermenting it in bins. Were you saying or? Wow. So how's that? Could you elaborate on that? I, I missed. Right, right. So in the book, there's a recipe on the back called cheap food. And it's just, it's, it's from um, some folks that taught here on Maui. And uh, what, basically what you do is you cut the grass material, put it in a barrel. Well, that's it for our free episode. So join us at www.microbialsecret.org for the full episode and join the Microbial Secret Society. So uh, may the beneficial microbes be with you. Aloha.